Welcome, everybody, to the 28th edition of Beijing and Brown Hoops Up and Down Basketball Podcast. As always, today, folks, I'm joined by the host with the most, Bob Bajek. We have a very exciting episode planned for you, folks. We're going to go over briefly some of this week's uh, new news. We have a potential blockbuster trade in the works that I'll be telling you about later on in this first segment. And myself and, and Bob B will be going over some of the exciting preseason action to look forward to, uh, some of what we have saw around the league. This week and over the weekend after the draft with some late signings, uh, individual workouts, and also our poll questions that we've had up on our social media sites that our listeners and audience have responded to. Bob, how are you doing this afternoon, young man? I'm doing great. What up, BNB Nation? I'm ready to rock and roll and do talk some basketball. <laughs> you sound more animated than ever, Bob. You must have had a, a long nap today. Oh, I, I did indeed, and I'm I'm just stoked with some of these uh, videos that we had with guys training up for the next year. And Bob, speaking of that, I know we spoke in the off-the-air production meeting uh, to get right into it. Uh, you spoke about, of course, the, the team that's probably been most anticipated, I guess, since last offseason, the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, one of the best players, probably the top three players in the league, Kevin Durant. Can you tell our listeners and audience so far what you've seen from his postseason workouts from some of the Brooklyn Nets sites, some of our insiders, and also online as well? He's looking good, 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 great, amazing. I mean, this guy mm. is looking like he has his moves like he did in his Golden State heyday with Steph and Draymond and Clay. I mean, he just has that championship form, Theus. I mean, he's doing the great crossover, shake and bake, step back. Um, he, he was with some of the NBA guys, like um, Aaron Gordon was guarding him. Uh, Ennis Cantor was in that workout too and a, a few other guys so um, he was just making jumpers driving to the rim doing thunderous slams uh, he just looks happy and comfortable out there um, I know this is not a full game workout I mean guys might be going about 70 75 percent but um, you know he he was standing out with those guys and I'm just excited to see how he does with Kyrie uh, Steve Nash th- their coaching staff out there some great players and Spencer Dinwiddie and um, Karis Levert. Like, I, I'm just excited to see what they're going to do, Theus. I mean, people forget how great KD is. Um, I thought him and Steph were kind of like um, that guy. Um, I think his name is Thanos in those superhero movies where he just had that gauntlet yes. to punch yes. people, everybody dies. I mean, that's what, what he basically was. I mean, he was kind of the Le- Le- LeBron killer. And, I mean, they're going to see that. I'm, I'm just – so stoked at the first game of the year. He is the first one you got golden state, Brooklyn. Let's go. Absolutely. Rock and roll. And Bob, the second that thought, what you were saying about with some of these off season workouts, did you think, and I'm going to get your opinion. That may be another question for the listeners. We know we, of course we know about the blockbuster trade. We spoke about it between Russell Westbrook and John wall. And as you were speaking about Kevin Durant, in the last few weeks, that's where John Wall has gained a lot of his traction. I think with him being off for the last year and a half, almost two years, he has really caught a lot of, of the league's attention, not only players and executives around the league and with his play in these offseason workouts. I know right after the finals, uh, he was seen working out with a lot of the Brooklyn Nets team, uh, including Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant was not there, but he really looked in midseason form against Kyrie Irving getting to the basket. Uh, getting uphill and downhill, going full speed like he used to. 
And also, in the many summer runs we saw in Miami, uh, most of our, our listeners at Magic and Brown probably may have also come across these same videos on YouTube, uh, different social media sites, where a lot of the NBA players and former players were playing in Miami. Uh, Michael Beasley, uh, John Kamunga, who's the big Kentucky recruit, uh, Andre Drummond was featured in a lot of these videos, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And I think that's what really maybe, and this is my uneducated guess, but I want to see what you think, Bob. Maybe that's where James Harden got the idea of he and him teaming with John Wall because of what he saw during these mini workouts. And I mean, the same thing you're saying with Kevin Durant. John Wall looks like he's the same exact player that he was in his prime. I mean, I hope John Wall is great because he was one of the better players to watch in the league just with his intelligence. I know you're big into uh, leadership, Theus, especially in the point guard position. He provided that. I mean, he was improving his jump shot, and he still had explosive athleticism, kind of like Russell Westbrook has. And, um, you know, I think the league's better. The You know, the, the more high-end players you can have, you know, the, the more you could just flip on different games. And even if the teams are not competitive – you know, it seems like almost each roster has two or three guys worth watching, even the bottom ones in this league. And John Wall is the type of guy who is a difference maker. And folks, again, we thank you for listening to Bajek and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. We are here live. This is episode number 28 on live on anchor.fm. And we want to take the time to thank our listeners and audience over the last two weeks for answering our poll questions, of course, at Bajek and Brown on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, from last week, we had a tie, Bob. Uh, coming off for episodes we had with uh, Janelle and Hugh, uh, we had the question of which off, which NBA team had the best offseason, uh, and that was between the Los Angeles Clippers, Lakers, Atlanta Hawks, and the Phoenix Suns. And it was a tie on both accounts. Um, well, actually, you know what? It was not a tie. The Atlanta Hawks won by one vote uh, due to the great – uh, Scotty Hemmingson on Facebook. We give Scotty Hemmingson a shout out. Looks like in Council Bus, Iowa, for picking the Atlanta Hawks over the Lakers. So it was a overall the Atlanta Hawks won the vote. Looks like 15 to 14. Uh, how do you feel about that, Bob? Do you think with the additions of Boyan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari, uh, Chris Dunn, and Rajon Rondo, do you think that puts the Atlanta Hawks in a better position than the Lakers? And you can, I know you, you're a big Laker follower. Can you speak on that? Well, I mean, maybe if we go baseline for a team that's bad, that's just the Trey Young show to someone who could be a playoff contender. I do I do think they made huge improvements. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a great shooter. Um, we know that he was a big fan of his game. Obviously, Giannis is too, um, and that's probably why nobody picked the Bucks. I mean, if, if that trade went through, you might say with him and True Holiday, the Bucks won, and I know those are not signings, those are trades, but they would have gotten out of bad contracts for – younger, taller, more athletic guys with higher scoring upside and baseline as well. Um, I'm surprised the Clippers didn't get some love, but maybe not. Uh, maybe people thought Harrell was, um, you know, like a positive for just leaving. Um, but I do think he's very talented. Um, Noah retired, but Noah didn't play. But I guess, you know, they haven't really made anything huge. Serge Ibaka can play a role for them. But, I mean, if you look at the four teams we had in our poll, Lakers and Hawks, I do think, it's very close. Now, if the Lakers' big goal, which I think it is, is trying to repeat, they, they put themselves in good position. You extend LeBron and AD. Um, you get Harrell. You get um, 
you know, you get Dennis Schroeder. So, so you get younger. I mean, you, you let some veterans go, but you got younger, more athletic. Some of them are comparable to better shooters. You got out of a bad Danny Green contract as well. Um, I do think maybe the Lakers win, but the Hawks, you know, the Hawks, I think, took that next step where they could make the playoffs and they're not going to be like the worst team, like the Orlando magic where somebody has to make it. They could be somebody who can scare somebody. Absolutely. And I think like you said, with that depth and shooting, I mean, that they could be, you know, definitely a perennial high scorer in the East with the land, with all those different positions. And with the Lakers too, it'd be interesting, Bob, it's kind of on a lower end that they did get more athletic come off that bench. I know they re-signed, uh, Kostas Akintupe, Akintupe uh, Giannis' younger brother, who does have, I believe, a lot of people believe has a world of upside. This has that same type of length and athleticism, good feel for the game. And also the Chicago native, it seems to be through all reports that uh, Taylor uh, Horton Tucker will have a larger role uh, with the absence of Danny Green uh, from that lineup. And we encourage you folks, me and Bob also want you to go on to the websites again this week for our brand new poll question. And I'll let Bob go ahead and announce that uh, fantastic poll question. We want your thoughts, comments, and opinions on. Uh, I guess the poll question we have, uh, just hot off the presses on Twitter, on Bajic and Brown, which player would have the biggest statistics improvement this season? And we're going for second-year guys. One's kind of like a redshirt second year, but we have John Morant, Zion Williamson, Tyler Hero and Michael Porter Jr. Oh, sorry, Bob. What are your thoughts on that? I know you're a big, uh, a big fan of all these guys. Can you give us just a small breakdown, oh, menu of each one? What do you think? Well, I mean, <laughs> all of them are great players. I mean, uh, maybe Tyler Hero would be the biggest surprise because, um, well, I guess you know he was a freshman that came out from Kentucky and he was lower end of lottery, but. People thought he'd be a nice role player, but he played so well in the bubble that, you know, he could be somebody who could be maybe the third best scorer on a championship caliber team. Now, we, we uh, Janelle was on the other day, and she thinks that maybe some of this is bubble ball and he had better stats, but just with his the shooting. The Mickey Mouse and, Invitational, yes. <laughs> but with his uh, shooting touch, and, you know, he has great synergy with, people like Kendrick Nunn and Jimmy Butler, um, you know, he, he plays well in a team concept. He, he could create his own shot sometimes. I mean, he does have the tools to be a great player, but um, I think the other players have more of a star, like Michael Porter Jr. Um, of Slam Magazine fame. He was one of the best, or actually the best high school player for a couple of years, and then he had that bad back injury. <clears throat> so the Nuggets drafted him um, at number 14, having him not play in 2018 and 19. So last year was kind of like a pseudo rookie year for him. And it seemed like with the bubble, with some tough competition, he, he came out to shine, especially that first round and parts of the second round where he could come off the bench, play some defense, get some rebounds and maybe get 10 to 15 points. I think there were some games too, Theus. Uh, I'd be on texting chains with you and be like, man, he's doing some home cooking here. He's getting like 30 points or more. And he has that scoring uh, you know, in bunches where he could get a big contract in the future. He could be like the second or best player on a team. Um, and then Ja and Zion, I mean, both of them had great rookie years. But you got to um, think, Bob, I think too. I, I mean, you got to think, Bob, too, with, with Tyler Hero and 
Michael Porter Jr., but they may have an opportunity to step into larger roles, especially there in Denver yes. with the exit of a lot of um, – I think they're anticipating Bo Bo and Michael Porter Jr. to have more significant roles because they have lost, you know, Jeremy Grant and some uh, Mike Mason Plumley, and also down in Miami, uh, Jay Crowder has left, and I'm not sure about the future yet of Andre Iguodawa, so that will leave more minutes and time uh, for them. But like as you were saying about Ja and Zion, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're all good. And, and I guess to piggyback on that too, Theus, um, there, there's one-year deals for both Drogic and Igudala, and both of them are team options, I believe. And both of them are probably not going to come back because I know they're big players in the Giannis Antetokounmpo sweepstakes. And, I mean, they have a great chance. And if they strike out with Zion, maybe they can get somebody else. But we know, even though I'm a big Andre Igudala fan, a lot of people who like veteran leadership um, and guys who had a high upside when they were younger, um, he doesn't have it anymore. I mean, even though he took most of last year off, um, he had like maybe two good games and the rest didn't really do anything. So I don't think they're going to pick up another year if he is. I think maybe he's there to provide that leadership, teach the young guys. So with him and maybe Drogic leaving, Tyler Hero definitely is going to play a bigger role. I mean, they, they would probably want to hopefully sign him within a year or two to a longer term deal to be part of that future with Bam and some of the other guys on that team. Well, so um, I guess with John and Zion. What about, you know, I was oh, sorry, what were you on that, but uh, Drogic did resign in Miami. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a one and one and I believe right. it's a team option. So okay. maybe it, it, it's a contingent on how they do with the Zion or I'm um, not Zion. I'm um, on the Giannis Antetokounmpo sweepstakes. Um, but if he plays really well, maybe they'll opt in if they know they can't get Zion. But I do think that um, Iggy is going to probably get bounced after this year because it is a team option. Mm. I mean, you can't pay $15 million for a guy who only plays like 10 minutes now and not really providing that upside that you want in the playoffs. Absolutely not. And um, you're mentioning my with- favorite team out of New Orleans Pelicans is Zion. Duke of the South. <laughs> what do we got? I mean, Zion is just – I mean, he's just so fun. I mean, just watching his first game, I, you know, he played only like 22 minutes and had 17 points, I believe. And, you know, he was scoring in bunches and it's just great. Uh, I, I think he's somebody fun, somebody who loves the game. And he's realizing hopefully before it's too late because people like Joel Embiid or Dwight Howard, uh, maybe Sean Kemp back in the day, they weren't on top of nutrition and health and you know, if you get out of shape, you could play yourself out of the, the league or, or eat or drink yourself out of the league. And Zion's realizing, hey, I got to get in better shape because I'm young, but I can't be huffing and puffing going up and down the court after a few minutes. So hopefully, you know, I, I haven't been keeping track on his routine, but if he's true to his worth is if he's in better shape, maybe dropping some pounds, maybe increasing that cardio, if, if he could play high level energy and, you know, he has that intelligence too. Um, you know, he could have a sustainable year, and that would be huge. You know, I do think that maybe between Ja and Zion, it's between those two. Ja kind of has the experience because he played the whole year, um, and the supporting casts are comparable, but if Zion is healthy, you know, Zion dominated high school. He dominated – you know, college, and it seems like he's dominating the NBA, at least when he did preseason and the games he played, if he can stay healthy. So, I mean, it's going to be very close. It's going to be between him and Ja. I'd give Zion the upper hand because he probably has the better supporting cast. 
better supporting cat cast equals more opportunities, less pressure. Absolutely. And Bob, and I, I want the host there in New Orleans because I did, did you happen to hear the clip from speaking of the Hornets and that everybody's kind of intrigued about how Stan Van Gundy's fit uh, will ha- help with New Orleans. And we had a reporter ask J.J. Reddick about his um, his reuniting with Stan Van Gundy. Did you get a chance to hear this? I have been. Can you tell um, me and the listeners what, what you found out there? Yeah, I'm going to try to play a brief clip for it here off of uh, off of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, website. But they definitely – it was kind of interesting. People are interested in how his style will fit Van Gundy with helping Zion and Ingram. But here's J.J. Reddick on reuniting uh, with Stan Van Gundy. hope I can – here, clear for you guys. One moment. How important preparation was. He reinforced a lot of the things that uh, I was learning and thought that I knew, but he reinforced them in a way that uh, set me up for a long career. And without having played for him in years two through six, you know, those five years, I would not uh, still be playing and, and have had the career that I've had uh, without Stan. Well, now he, he went on to further detail some more information that was kind of intriguing. I know he, he spoke well of Stan there, but he went on to say that sometimes the, the training camps and the practices of Stan were grueling and that he may not want to experience that in year of his journey. How do you think that will have impact on Zion? So you talked about conditioning and the uh, accountability part of it. Well, you know, looking at it that light, um, I know J.J. Redick has his podcast. He'll probably go into media after his playing career. But um, I'm guessing that maybe that's a huge reason why they brought him in. I know we were critical thinking, hey, you know, he's been away from the game a little bit. He kind of crashed and burned with the Pistons, though I think a lot of people do these days. Um, but And, you know, he has older ideas, older white coach. But, you know, if he wants – if their big thing is, like, we got to maximize Zion, get him in that routine, get him in better health, and maybe to a lesser extent Brandon Ingram because he kind of had that health scare um, with, with the clotting or whatever. And I'm sure some of that is just taking care of your body um, to manage that disease or take your medication. Um, you know, those are the two high upside guys, Thea. So maybe on that one, if they think, hey, you know, even we want him for two, three years, maybe as a transitional coach, we'll get somebody younger, but we need someone to help these guys be professionals. And these guys are still very young. Um, maybe that's why they decided we want to go for a proven commodity in Stan, somebody that JJ, who's well-respected around the NBA, could vouch for, you know, part of value is just being on the court and having that long career. And, and, and those two guys have had some scares. So their franchise is those two guys and they need to maximize that. Yeah. And folks, I want to thank you again for listening to Basic and Brown on anchor.fm live. When we come back our next segment, me and Bob will go further into some of the, uh, what we expect to happen here within the preseason, the opening camp workouts and possibly I got blockbuster trade news for you folks. I have, Wanted to wait until the, I want to do in the first segment, but I'll give you the tease. Stay tuned. Listen in on Anchor.fm. Uh, potentially two blockbuster trades involving, that's right, Dub Nation, the Golden State Warriors, Bob. Folks, we'll be right back with you soon here on Basic and Brown Hoops Up Now podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks, to the 20th edition of Basic and Brown. 
podcast. We thank you again for joining us live here on Anchor.fm. Folks, we have some, well, you know what? I'll save it, Bob, for one more segment. I know we want to give a special shout out and take time to thank our uh, dedicated listeners and audience on on Anchor.fm, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, also those who have sent us the email. Uh, Bob, I know you want to give a shout out to a few of our uh, dedicated listeners and, and fans there. I do. Um, my cousin, Justin Lizalek, he is trying to learn the game a little bit. He enjoys our podcast. He told me that um, at my brother's wedding, so it was good. He, he's a very dedicated listener. I think he's listened to about every episode. My friend, Kurt Crowley, who's a big, big, big Bucks fan, hopes that Giannis stays and his secondary team um, is the Utah Jazz. I'm glad you helped me figure that out. I, was, I thought <laughs> Kurt Crowley was somebody I knew, and I couldn't figure that out. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, he loves he loves Rudy Gobert and Spider Mitchell. Um, he he loves my What Up BNB Nation. He actually um, did a good rendition of me, so he he's a big fan of that. Um, my sister Mary Reed, um, she's trying to learn the game. Uh, she had me record an episode at her house when I was visiting over um, during the wedding, and she followed us on. Anchor and Spotify, I believe. So then if a new episode pops up, she can try to listen to it. And uh, my friend Tom Shreeman, uh, he was working out with his dad one episode and he, he was listening to us and he's just like, wow, that's Bob Bajek. He sounds like he's from ESPN and Theus does too. So I guess we have a good production, Theus. <laughs> oh, wow. So let yeah, me do some shout I would be rem- I would- Yeah, I would be remiss, Bob, if I didn't want to thank, of course, uh, Scotty Hemmingson, uh, back at home, the Scotty always listens and shouts us out. Uh, my man, big fella, big Will, Will Solomon, one of the best big men of all time uh, in Iowa. Uh, OG Brian Floyd, our former guest and great mentor, great man Joseph Johnson out of Bolingbrook. Definitely check out that episode, episode 25. He definitely graced our audience with so much knowledge of Chicago uh, sports landscape and history and business, and also with the, the rights to equality and social justice. Uh, definitely, and so many folks too on Twitter. We thank our former guests and fellow podcasters and people in the industry, Janelle Moore, uh, all of her, uh, her her base there at, at Sister Stephood. Uh, I'm sorry, but I said oh, Sister sis- Step Back. Yeah, Step Back Sisterhood. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm tongue tied, Bob. And their podcast, we thank all those Amber, uh, Brittany, and TC. To thank you so much for listening. Um, and also just, uh, the Javen, Javen Amble, he actually told me, Bob, a story. Uh, he had texted me while I was at work and said that uh, someone he came across all the way in, uh, not Davenport, but all the way in, um, uh, man, I'm lost for the city today, Bob. Uh, they're in, not Waterloo, but Dubuque, I'm sorry. Dubuque, yeah. Iowa, actually heard our podcast. Wow. And said, hey, man, I heard you on uh, that podcast. I don't know who in Dubuque, Bob, but somebody we got another listener there. So, Well, I know... Um, we've had great guests and Sid Mahapatra and Hugh Hopkins. So they kind of expanded our reach into Europe and across the pond. And Sid has some followers in India. So we've gone international, baby. Absolutely. So I know, I know we're getting some reach there. Um, they've been talking, uh, to some people in the basketball world where it seems like we're getting some reach. So that's good. And again, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to, our wonderful guests. Um, we're hoping to get other wonderful guests too. some, some repeats. We're going to have 
Dan O'Brien on Wednesday talking NBA draft with some of the top draft picks, how he thinks they're going to fit with their teams. He's going to give us a breakdown on maybe like the top five or so um, athletes and basketball teams to look out for in college basketball. He's a big college hoops fan. Um, And then we're going to just try to get some new guests as well. So we're just excited with the wonderful things we have planned for this upcoming NBA season and other basketball seasons that we love covering for you guys. So Bob, we did have a couple of interest from social media from a few of our listeners and I wanted to get your take on it first, Bob. Sure. The James Harden situation um, kind of been a soapboxing of the week. Uh, recently, we know that we had some reports saying that, of course, a lot of the NBA teams, Houston included, has started their team and individual workouts prepping for next week's preseason. Uh, James chose not to show up. We know Russ did the same thing, but like, wow. a lot of folks on Insta, a lot of folks on Instagram knew who followed Russell Westbrook, knew he was in California, and knew that you know he was with his family, and that the trade thing was probably real. Unfortunately, you know people are adults; they make their own decisions. No, uh, no speculation or judgment. James Harden was cited at a fellow friend's or entertainer's birthday party all weekend, and got to believe in California or Vegas. So. I, apparently when he said that he would be back in Houston at workouts, uh, there's been many videos and pictures taken of him uh, at a appears to be all weekend birthday party uh, for a fellow entertainer or musician. And, sure. I, and it's got a lot of backlash on a lot of sites and from the public media that he is kind of maybe the shenanigans or priorities are very mixed up. Uh, how what is your take or feelings on that? Um. I'm wondering if he's blowing off some steam because he was in the bubble quite a long time. I believe it would have been more than two months. And, you know, one thing about James Harden, you could maybe not like his acting and maybe he's kind of flopping like a a European soccer player, but, or, you know, you think he goes to the foul line too much, partly that just with trickery, but he gives it his all all the time. And sometimes I think he doesn't know how to pace himself. And I think Russ is the same way where they just go hard in practice, they go hard in the regular season, and then they're kind of gassed by maybe round two or round three if they get far. Um, I think as part of it, they love the game, but maybe he needs a little bit of that mental break. If um, a lot of our listeners have watched um, The Last Dance, Dennis Rodman had to leave the Bulls for a few days, and that was during the season, but it seems like Harden's doing this before training camp, and it's a bad look, but James Harden's the type of person, too, that who takes care of his body. I'm sure, you know, you said he was in videos with a lot of these uh, workouts with John Wall and these other great basketball players. I'm sure he's in good shape. But on the flip side, it is a bad look when Houston's giving him a ton, like like a maybe three brings trucks of money, right? So he's getting all Absolutely. this money. He's a leader on that team, and he's not there. You know, maybe he is really trying to force his hand out there because I know – uh, the rumor is that he wants to get traded maybe to the Nets, maybe to Philly. So going all East coast, but you know, he's a professional as well. So maybe that's just a bit of a power play. I do think it's a bit overblown because it's practice right now, but it is a bad look. Uh, what's your take this on this situation? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it sounds like from the team's perspective, coach Silas is a new coach. He's also given him, you know, I'm sure there's communication, and that's all that matters with the powers that be there. Uh, that's given him a space and time. Again, it looks like he was at it says Dre's nightclub. Uh, Lil Baby, one of your favorite rappers, Bob, at his birthday <laughs> bash all weekend in Vegas. Uh, so I know you're going to be listening to that this evening during the NFL games. 
<laughs> but definitely, uh, all respect to Lil Baby. He's a very talented musician and definitely has a bright future in that industry. Um, and happy played a happy birthday to him. But definitely, you know, I, I don't think it's a to me myself, Bob. I've never been a stickler for that. I think that I guess from a basketball business perspective, you would say, okay, you know when you know when this uh, this uh, preseason starts or when the training camp starts. You should probably be there as a part of your team. Uh, my only concern is that, again, this puts him – again, now he has to go into the COVID protocol. So now, Bob, it's not like he's going to miss one or two more days. He's going to probably potentially – and not saying he was going to play in the preseason, but that might put him uh, further back to even start the regular season. Um, and I guess we know – we of course, we know that, like you were saying on the, off the air, the summer workouts and individual workouts aren't as the same as being in game shape. But hopefully, you know, yeah. when it's time to – perform he will definitely be ready i i do think so and it is a it's a tough situation because maybe in james's viewpoint i mean he's given it his all for what about seven eight years but getting that much money you have to be a professional but maybe if he does need this you know he, he might be really close to this this rapper and and um you know his family and he needs he's like well i need to do this a little bit before the regular season because then he would have to quarantine and maybe miss two or three games that count. So maybe that's his viewpoint. Um, it, it is a bad look though. I know with um, coach Silas, you know, he's well-respected and uh, the, the other off season additions, if you look at John Wall and DeMarcus cousins, big DeMarcus cousins fan here, by the way, you know, I think it's more important for those two guys to get integrated though. Obviously part of that integration is with James Harden and, um, I think what they're hoping is that just people are healthy without COVID, without, you know, any knees or ankles or anything that could give way before the games count. I do think the teams only have like what, two or three preseason games and then it's for reals. Um, I, I think maybe they're just hoping to keep James happy because maybe if he didn't go to this, you know, he's, he might get kind of salty about that and you want to have a happy superstar because I do think they want to keep him there because let's say if, Toyota Center opens it to fans. He's a big draw there. Absolutely. And, Bob, I know I've broken the golden rule of the tease, and I've waited, made you wait too long. <laughs> Bob, I know you're a king of the subplots. So we just I had am. a subplot, and I know I've, I've heard our listeners here too long. So thank you again for – again, uh, we got a few responses from those poll questions online. Looks like right now we're in a tie between Zion and John Moran as far as the most improved player. Bob, the Golden State Warriors. We've, they've had an interesting offseason so far. Clay Thompson, unfortunately, goes down again with another season in the injury. Uh, I felt like, personally, I didn't think they needed to go get Kelly Oubre, and they did. I thought they should have given that time and minutes to Andrew Wiggins to let him finally fulfill his potential. Uh, as we spoke with Janelle Moore about that, re-signed the veteran Kent Bazemore. Definitely knows that system. was a part of their first championship run in, in 15 there has been a trade, Bob, two trades on the board today, first involving the New York Knicks. There was a trade that first circulated this morning, Bob, and I know you, I'm throwing this in there as a, the preseason of the trade, so to speak, that was going to send potentially uh, Julius Randle, Frank Nilakina, and a first-round pick, your favorite Tom Thibodeau, was going to send these three men to the Sacramento Kings. But, okay. Uh, for potential players, so this uh, yet to be named later. But right after that, shortly, another rumor came aboard uh, from a California-based website that Bob had said that the Golden State Warriors, 
just weeks after acquiring Kelly Oubre, potentially to trade Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins to the Sacramento Kings uh, for Buddy Heal and Harrison Barnes. How, how do you feel about that? Oof. I'm wondering if that's more, uh, you know, more talk than what it's worth because I know with Oubre, he's probably a better defender than the guys are getting back. And it seems like he's a one-year rental. Now, I love Buddy Hill. I think he's a great shooter. And Harrison Barnes knows that system. But I do think there was a reason why they let Harrison go in the first place. He he kind of melted. And we've talked about it. I've talked to this with Janelle off the air, other hoop heads, other Warrior fans, that Harrison Barnes did not come through like games five and seven. I think he shot, what, like five for 32? Something that, you know, you wouldn't even be happy for a grade schooler to shoot. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe it works out, but I wonder if that's just too much change this late in the game. What do you kind of think, Theus? I got to defend Harrison Barnes because he was an integral part in that 2014-15 championship and especially in defending LeBron James. People forget he was the one putting his body on the line, sacrificing himself to play that defense, more so than Draymond. Mm. Uh, number two, about everybody has shooting woes. I mean, I don't buy that characteristic because at the end of the day, you can put that on the leadership of the team. Why why were not why were Clay and Steph not taking those shots if he was struggling? That's true. That's so true. I, I and I know I got my bias going here from my Iowa guy, Harrison Barnes, potentially the greatest player ever from Iowa. I'm sorry, I gotta throw that in there. My Iowa Nebraska <laughs> guy. But uh I I will stick up at Harrison Barnes to the depth that he didn't leave because now but remember, Golden State did want Harrison to stay. But the uh, that came down to the Dallas Mavericks offered him, I believe, seventy million dollars. So of course that wasn't, you know, of course they wanted Harrison to stay, but he took at that time, which would have been the closer to a max deal for a player of his level. Uh, if you look at his stats, he's been very consistent. I believe he put up twenty points a game in Sacramento this season, and you think that's got to be hard to do with that star-studded backcourt of the sharpshooters we mentioned, Buddy Hield and Boygan Boyganovich, and he played very well uh, down there with. That was pre-Luka, but with Dirk and with uh, the other players they had down there, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, I think that, that trade, the trade at this point to me would not be good for Golden State just because I like the – I again, as much as I just said, again, I think they would be strapped with that long Buddy Hill contract. And I think they're better right yes. now because Wiggins and Oubre are getting close towards the ends of their contract, so to speak. So I think that, again, I'd rather see what Wiggins can do in this one year because, again, you of course, you have seen what Harrison can do. You know what he, he does. But I still think there's something there. I've, I've never been a huge Wiggins supporter. I think in that culture and that climate around those co- that, those players, the coaching staff, they can bring the best out of him. And he showed it last year, Bob. I was fortunate to go to one game against the Bulls, and he did not score a point in the first half. And then the crowd was on him. The crowd was on him. I was kind of on him, but then I stopped and thought about it. Uh, and I looked at the the scoreboard, and he had, what he was doing, Bob, he was setting up his teammates. And this game I went to when he was still in Minnesota, uh, he had already had six assists, four rebounds, and he ended up in the game with like nine assists. But he was already showing growth. I had to think to myself, this guy is growing as a player. Because all the, all the criticism he gets as a number one pick, he is facilitating. He is still playing defense. And eventually he did start to score. So I think that upside, I know I got long-winded there, but to see the upside of Wiggins and him and 
Kelly Oubre do get along. I guess they have a previous friendship uh, from summer leagues or something. But uh, I would I would stand pat if I was Golden State. I did share this off cool. the air with Janelle, and she said, "Hell no, lies, lies." So. <laughs> I love Janelle so much, and that's why we're trying to plug the Step Back Sisterhood. It's a it's a wonderful show. I listened to the first episode, Learning the Ladies, and I encourage everybody to uh, give that a listen. Uh, anyway, with Wiggins, I, I agree with you that uh, Wiggins is just a perfect wing, the prototypical wing, kind of where he can de- defend one through three, maybe even one through four. He has the tools to be a great defender. I think he's graded as a plus defender anyway, even without reaching his potential. But he could kind of sleepwalk to 20, 25 points if you need it. Um, I do think having better athletes around him because he was in on the T-Wolves where a lot of people go to die. Sorry, Joel, but, um, you know, he, I think, is learning how to be a player. He didn't play organized basketball until high school. So, you know, a lot of these guys play kind of like a peewee basketball. He wasn't in that. So, you know, he's still learning the game. And at 25, he still has um, the athleticism and the growth to do it. And I know he played what, Theus, like what, 10 games before the shutdown with Golden State. He looked good to me. And with an off season and with Steph healthy, with Draymond healthy, um, Ubre at least maybe what is like half a clay, maybe 60% of a clay, you should have a functional team. And, um, you know, maybe with, with it functional and he's not asked to do too much, he could just worry about the fundamentals and we can see what he can do. I, I do think he still has untapped star potential. I did watch him a few times when I would work at Newslink. I would go to the Target Center and watch the Timberwolves play. Um, and there was one game, Theus, I think it was against um, the LeBron-led Cavs when they were defending champs, um, where he, Kyrie, Towns, and Wiggins all balled out. And I think, mm. unfortunately, the only star was Kevin Love, who was hurt. But Wiggins scored the most points at 41. So he could get some buckets and look really good. Now, the key is just to get that consistency more often from him. Bob, I didn't want to interrupt our current discussion, but we have had a good response from our uh, poll question. I want to thank uh, a very popular podcaster who took the time to answer, respond, uh, who was somebody who's internationally known. If you've heard the name Josh Eberly, uh, he runs a podcast many people know called Dunks and Discords out of the greater country of old Canada. And uh, many people follow him and he's got a lot of great NBA takes. Uh, but his response to the poll question today, Bob, was like a lot of people, surprisingly, we're getting a lot of support for MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. I know our man Dominique in Seattle would be happy about that. Uh, but Josh just says, tough not to say, not tough not to say MP, MPJ. think his minutes will go up a ton. And we've had a few uh, listeners, Brianna, also say that as well on Facebook and Twitter. So looks like we might have a dark horse in that poll, Bob. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Daryl Horowitz, who was one of our first guests on this show, he was a big Michael Porter Jr. fan, thought it was a huge mistake the Bulls didn't take a chance on him. He thinks that for the Nuggets to go to the next level, not Jamal Murray, who he thinks and Janelle thinks bubble ball might have inflated some things for him, but that Michael Porter Jr. has to be the second best player for them to maybe win a championship. And we've got some similar comments, Bob, too, from Wally Cazaldo. And our, one of our, our friends, our other podcast uh, colleagues, 
Heat Hoop Bubble. Check them out as well, folks. They both believe that it will be Zion until he gets hurt. So they said unless he's sidelined with injury, uh, he needs to get in a little better shape not to avoid that. Oh, definitely. And and like I, I said, I think I answered on Facebook, it is contingent if he gets his nutrition going, his um, exercising going. I, I think he will. Um, it's just a challenge. It looks like his challenge is keeping weight off and just being healthy. And I, I think he could overcome it because he's going to be, if New Orleans stays in New Orleans, you know, but sorry. Yeah. If New Orleans stays in New Orleans, yeah. of course it will, unless it sinks in the sea. But right. I mean, what I meant is like, if basketball is going to stay in New Orleans, like in the seventies, Maravich left and then they went to um, Utah instead. So for the, for it to stay and CP three left and, you know, the Hornets went back to Charlotte and then there was a hole and they got AD. Well, you, you need a star to build that fan base. And Zion seems to have all that stuff. You know, he's, he's Southern from South Carolina, which has kind of a, a similar culture to New Orleans. And he seems comfortable there. Um, I do think having a great point guard in Lonzo and um, th- they run a fast pace there that, that plays to Zion strengths. Uh he needs to be healthy or you're not, you're going to lose a lot of season ticket holders. It went up the last two years with him there. Uh, so what the franchise has to do, like you were saying, Stan Van Gundy might've been brought in for Zion's uh, conditioning and health. I, I think they're getting all the sports scientists and nutritionists and they're going to not spare any cent this because if it's going to be successful, they need to triple down on Zion. Yeah, it looks like we got a three-way tie right now with the voting on Twitter, at least so far. Three-way tie at 28.6% between Ja, Zion, and Tyler Hero. So no one, no one's giving comments for Tyler, but it looks like they are voting for him. About, and so and in the aftermath, you're saying that about the previous trade, you think that Golden State also should stand pat and not go for that deal, right, for Buddy Hill? I, I think so because it could get a little more expensive for them, and they're already – spending a crazy tax after you know they have a new stadium and fans can't go in for a while um i think most nba teams are at least saying for at least half the year we can't have fans and how this virus uh vaccine rollout's going to take um for they might not have fans until playoffs most likely so it, it's going to be a lot of money for Lakeup and his partners to absorb but they're already paying a lot. I mean, you have three players or actually really four on max or near max and, and the core and Wiggins and Uber is getting some hefty money. So, and you know, they're paying Steve Kerr a lot though. That's not on a penalty tax. Um, I think, I think Fias was in it about a hundred million extra that they're paying. That's, that's a lot of money. So it, it would be more expensive. And what I know Wiggins and Uber are better defenders um, because, I, like you said, Harrison Barnes is an underrated defender, but I know Buddy Hild, um he struggles in that role. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people. I think Rachel Nichols was one that kind of kept talking about that, about the luxury tax. But, again, we're talking about billionaires. I mean, these are people that if it's a luxury tax and, and you're looking at a place where you can talk about an owner that's actually trying to improve his team and making moves to, to attempt to yes. improve his team. A lot of times, especially here in, in Chicago and other places, we talk about the – organizations that are, you know, looking to build businesses and not wanting to improve the team for sports sake. So I think that's something that people can kind of put aside. If that's the way he wants to improve his team, that's going against them. It's not, you know, it's not uh, 
taxpayer money, so to speak. So exactly when that's something I like about Lake Up that not only does he and his wife help a lot in the community and the warriors as an organization give back a lot as a model organization he was able to do that privately so the bay area and the san francisco residents didn't have to pay for that because even though we're sport fans i do think you know private business getting all of that tax revenue when the residents yeah it could increase property value but a lot of times you know it doesn't uh, they're not getting that much value for a team. So I'm I'm just happy that um, they were able to take ownership and spend that money. And they should get money back because um, if you've read the articles, the is from New York Times or other business magazines, they're going to lease that space. And I think even though they spent that money, they're not in debt right now, which was an amazing accomplishment, which, again, you probably got to thank that super team for having people interested in investing. We've got some more great comments by from our viewers. We want to thank also uh, Nate Taylor for listening there in Omaha area. He kind of second your thought, Bob, about the excitement of seeing Kevin Durant come back. He's speaking on, you know, the workouts that he saw too, and that the one, two, one, two, three pull up dribble is something that Kevin Durant was a master of, and a lot of players don't have in their repertoire. But the one dribble, two dribble, three dribble pull up will definitely help him, uh, you know, get his offense initiated and going. Uh, in Brooklyn there, especially when Kyrie's off the ball or Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Um, definitely Jason O'Neill from Omaha, Nebraska. He uh, writes in and says he would definitely love to see that trade uh, with Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes going to the Bay. He thinks that that would be maybe more low maintenance. He feels like you said kind of too, Bob, that Harrison Barnes' familiarity with that offense and then the excitement of Buddy Heald, whether he would come off the bench. He thinks Buddy Heald would be a longer – a long staying effect because even when, when Clay would come back, Buddy Hill would be a guy that you could bring off the bench with a second unit that could be almost like reminiscent of a Ben Gordon in the Bulls days and get 20 points a game off the bench even and keep that productivity oh, wow. rolling. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I just know that they, they brought in Wiggins on a big trade and part of it was to get an asset with that, um, top three protected first round pick in a stronger draft. Um, and I know they were kind of excited with Ubre, but Ubre is a short-term, uh, you know, addition. So, I mean, it could happen. Um, I know a lot of Bay people like Harrison Barnes. We'll see. Um, it's just that Golden State has made a lot of moves. So I'm wondering if they want more consistency. I do think having somebody like Wiggins – who could help defensively what might make the transition for James Wiseman a little less because a lot's going to be asked for that young big man. And, you know, it's going to be a hard transition. He didn't have summer league and they'll have a shortened training camp to get conditioned and ready with the team. Though I do think he's, he's ready to play after having a short college career. Mm. And Bob, how do you feel about, I know we spoke off the air briefly about, uh, I know I don't want to be remiss without leaving out your bulls. You had a lot. I know we mentioned that poll online. What are your thoughts about uh, some of the younger Bulls players? I know we kind of briefly touched on Wendell Carter and uh, Kobe White, uh, but what are your what have you heard from maybe Casey Johnson or just from listening to the Chicago Insight basis? Then on, on a lot of podcasts, Casey Johnson seems to have been very impressed with Kobe White. Just think, thinking that he's been a professional, working a lot on his shot and any shortcomings he had in his rookie year 
uh, he doesn't think that it was a mirage when he kind of stepped up those 20 games before uh, the pandemic happened and thought he played very well off Zach Levine. Um, both him, Levine, and other players have been talking about how Billy Donovan has a more modern approach to offense where it's more predicated on motion, kind of like what Golden State mastered and where you can get some very beautiful basketball where it's read and react. I mean, that's how the game was supposed to be played, not coaches yelling, do this, do that. I mean, that's more of maybe a lower level high school when you're learning how to do the game. But I, I read from a coach, I, I forgot who it was, it was a famous NBA coach. He said that I want to get my players where they can just read and react. Maybe it was Steve Kerr, I'm not sure, but he just said that that's, they, they're on the floor. They're the ones who know the nuances of the game. They're the ones who see it better because I'm on the bench, but they're actually playing it and feeling it. So if they're doing that Morpheus, I do think him and Levine and some of the other guys are more athletic maybe they'll get better looks. I mean, that's the key, uh, better looks. Uh, I know off the air and with some Bulls fans, I was talking about how Wendell Carter, we do think he's a nice player. He kind of reminds us of maybe a high-end Taj Gibson, maybe a low-end Boozer, who, which would be a nice career. That'd be a nice player, but he's not going to be a difference maker. Maybe they're not calling him to be that. Maybe they're hoping Kobe would be that and Wendell can be a defensive anchor somebody who's flexible defending multiple positions, you know, flashing and recovering out to the wing if he needs to cover anybody, but he does have some strong post play. He's somebody who doesn't strike me though. Who's going to be like a difference making star. Mm. That's definitely key. And and any early uh, predictions about uh, Patrick Williams from Florida state. I know I've tried to share with people that I'm very high on that pick. I think that is a, a good pick and will surprise people got to watch him play a little bit in ACC and, as I told people, it's not in basketball. Many people that know it's not about starting games, it's about finishing games. And it doesn't matter if the young man played a lot, uh, a start, he didn't start one game, but it's about who's on the floor at the end of the game. You no, know, I agree with that. And um, we know Florida State's been a rising program. Their coach is very well respected. Um, right now, what Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley are doing, they're trying to pick for traits and he's long and athletic and he's somebody who's very young I know they were high on his youth and he didn't play as much but I was listening to um, an interview on the Dan Bernstein show where he talked to his high school coach and he said Patrick was somebody um, and this seems like to be a very common trait these days who played as a guard because he was shorter and then he shot up so he does have better handles passing and IQ because he was in pigeonholed to a big man in high school so that's something that I think the Bulls are counting on, that he has some of these skills. And with him being young, they're getting him in a system and getting Billy Donovan and Mo Cheeks and some of these other guys who are um, revamping the coaching staff. And I think they have developmental coaches now, Theus. The Bulls are one of the few teams that didn't get a couple of developmental coaches to work on games. They have that now. So I think they're going to give him heavy doses of um, practice throughout the year and it's going to be a baptism by fire. They're willing to do that because even with these guys getting better, they might not make the playoffs or if they do, they will be a one and done to somebody like Milwaukee. But I do think the franchise is taking um, a step in the right direction. So um, I do agree with you, Theus. It seems like just with traits, size and intelligence, and work ethic, you know, they're banking on this kid and he does have potential. I mean, 
maybe he was on the second tier because the top three guys are going to be the top three guys and they decided not trading up. But for the value you got him for, he was probably the best pick you could have made. Absolutely. And I know you – was there anything else, Bob, as far as some of the Chicago fans are coming in that they asked to say? Is there anything else that you think they need to do or is anybody else you think they'll invite to fill out this uh, camp roster? I know that a lot of teams have been, um, you know, getting and veteran players to fill out the roster. Maybe there's also heard rumors of the Lakers going after Todd Gibson or Kyle Corver just to compete for that 20th spot – or not 20th, but to fulfill the 20 spots they need to get to the 15 roster spots. Is there anybody like I know we talked about Garrett Temple oh. going to the Bulls? Is there any local product or anybody out there you'd like to see them go after? Um, not not right now. Um, I I just think they're hoping that Otto Porter Jr. is going to be healthy for them. He's somebody who hasn't played for a year and a half to two years consistently, kind of having injury problems like Demarcus Cousins and and Clay Thompson and John Wall and. Kevin Durant, where you kind of get worried about their career when there's like, you know, two injuries in a row. But when he's healthy, he can open up the floor. He's he's a good passer for his position because he's more of a three, sometimes plays four in small ball lineups, um, has a good shooting touch, and he just knows the game. And they want to lean on his veteran leadership. So I think they're hoping that with him there, um, with uh, Patrick, or I mean uh, – you know, their new, their new player that they got in number four Williams, and yeah. just hopefully to lean more. Yes. Patrick Williams and Sadoransky and um, uh, Thaddeus young that they're hoping that they have that veteran leadership. And um, I think a lot of those players too, were having some injury issues and part of it too, they were not utilized well or gelling well with the coach Jim Boylan. So they're hoping too with somebody who is a good coach instead of a horrible coach, maybe that's a plus for the team too. Um, I think anybody they would bring at this time, Theus is going to be more of a fringe player because again, they're hoping that just veteran leadership, like with um, Ryan Archie Didacano and um, you know, Zach Levine are going to help. And the other ones I mentioned are just going to help take them to the next level. I think Laurie Markinen is more of a question mark. Like Laurie right now just seems to be, just not aggressive enough and he needs to do that. And some of it too is health and availability. Um, it, it depends if he's going to fit or not. He might be somebody they flip it mid year if they think that he's not going to work out. And it looks like the five newcomers they have, Bob, of course, we mentioned Patrick Williams, um, the Chicago native, uh, Devin Dotson, who played at Kansas was undrafted. Uh, he's on a two way deal. Of course, we mentioned Garrett Temple, the veteran, uh, minimum. We also have Noah Vonley, who was a, I think the fourth pick in the draft some years ago uh, for some reason. And he played for them too quite a few years back. Yeah. He's just been not reaching his potential. Yeah, that, that, that one's kind of puzzling to me, but I won't get into that. I'm not sure why they would need to bring him back. Um, and of course the Simeon native, or the Simeon grad, uh, alumni, I should say, uh, Zach Norvell Jr. is on a one-year non-guaranteed contract as well. Bob, the last thing I know it's getting late. I'm getting to run out of close to time, but, I don't know if we hit on it last time. What were your impressions of LeVar Ball's possible premonition coming true? We got Jello in the NBA, Bob. D'Angelo Ball signed a, a non-guaranteed contract with the Detroit Pistons. Of course, he's a little his game is different than LaMelo and Lonzo. Not a little bit bigger, a little more physical player, maybe slightly more athletic. 
how do you see his chances of making the Detroit roster, maybe making an impact? I don't know if he's going to make the roster, Theus, because um, both of his brothers are more talented athletically and skill-wise, but he is a great player. I mean, those Chino Hills teams were rated like the best or like maybe top three, top five in the nation for many years, and they won state titles, competed for national titles. He did play overseas, and when he played, he played well. Um, I believe that was with the Lithuanian team. Um, I know a lot of people think that he, he could maybe grow a little bit in the G League. Maybe they're hoping that, you know, he's on their G League affiliate, maybe eventually a, two, uh, a two-way contract. Um, I, that's kind of what I foresee with him at the moment. It would be exciting if he, he's an end-of-bench guy. Um, I do think he can do that. Um, I think it just shows you that um, – LeVar for all of his faults and we know there's quite a bit where maybe he doesn't let his kids shine maybe he's not the best businessman but he tried um you know he did get his kids in the NBA which I do think is very impressive um I, I do I think um uh Le- Leangelo Ball he uh he, again he's not the most talented but he do I do think he might have a shot to play some games in the NBA yeah, speaking on the Pistons Bob and I thought it was pretty encouraging to see Derrick Rose Kind of show even more growth in his game, saying that he will be more than willing to come off the bench and mentor their lottery pick, Killian Hayes. I mean, he basically was speaking, you know, so much truth as a veteran, saying his job is to make that young man better and to make him uh, ready, get him ready for superstardom at the next level. So that was very refreshing to hear from Derrick Rose. Oh, it definitely was. I think he realizes that. Maybe his um, being a top five player in the league days are over, but, you know, he is somebody who knows the game a lot. I think he can help uh, Killian to transition to the NBA, and he wants to be somebody who maybe competes for a sixth man. I think he could actually pull it off, Theus. I mean, if he were healthy the last two years, I know part of it he missed some games, but if he plays – you know, closer to the limit, he's somebody who could potentially uh, win that award. Yeah, and I know a lot of people I've seen clamor on the uh, social media that they want to see if they can. Detroit definitely has some flex. Their offseason was puzzling. Some of their signings didn't make sense with some of the uh, log jam in the front court, but especially when they drafted Sammy Abadero last year and then they had Blake Griffin there. But um, – to see if they can get Blake and Derek out of there, to see if they can trade them two contenders possibly. Uh, I know those kind of, uh, Derek's contract's not so bad, but Blake kind of has a lot of left on there to see if they can move them to start their youth movement. But uh, Bob, was there anything else, that, anything new that you wanted to share with the listeners, anything you saw uh, over the uh, next couple weeks or in the free, free uh, not free agency, but the opening camps from this week? Um, I think a lot of guys are locked and loaded to go. So just see eager um, new signees, whether they were undrafted free agents or the new rookies who were drafted um, trying to get inserted right now. You know, a lot of these guys didn't have the end that they wanted to with conference or NCAA tournaments. So I think they're ready to go. And we were talking about rappers. Um, probably a lot of our listeners or youthiest do not know, but, Little B, the bass god, is a follower of mine, so I'm pretty proud of that. Oh, man, so you can get us some free CDs and a free stream. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but, yeah, he's he's one of the more famous people who follow me, so I just think that's kind of cool. Definitely. We want to give a shout-out to one of our own, uh, Enzi Tante, a great rapper out of Iowa. He also follows us on Facebook, so shout-out to Enzi 
Tante. N-Z-E. N-Z-I. Tante. Definitely. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I just want to thank our listeners right now. We try to knock it out of the park like what Jake Paul did to poor Nate Robinson. Oh, wait. Hold on, buddy. You can't leave it like that. You got to give us. What do you think about that? (laughs) We didn't get to hit on that. Um, Well, I mean, um, I know you know more about boxing than I do, Theus, but, you know, Jake Paul is younger, bigger, with a longer reach. And it seemed like, you know, that was Nate's first fight. This was his second fight and maybe he trained in boxing before. So um, I'm a Nate Robinson fan. And one thing I think about, I I know he doesn't have a lot of um, fans, at least player wise in the league, because he's difficult to work with, but he's somebody who cares about health and nutrition and he wanted to try something new. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have a bad outcome, but I do think maybe he'll try again. Yeah. I didn't get to watch much of that. Uh, I didn't really have an interest in watching as Baron Davis and, and Snoop said, Two of your uncles fighting at a barbecue. I don't want to see two 50-year-old men fighting in a ring. So I didn't watch. I didn't catch any undercard. But I did see today, Bob, that George Foreman came out. I was interested in said he would train Nate Robinson if he was interested in doing a rematch uh, with uh, what's the guy? What's the YouTuber's name? Name is Jake yeah. Paul, and I didn't even know who the hell this guy was. But I guess he's a YouTuber, Vine guy, actor, professional boxer now, and he got in trouble with um illegal trespass during um i guess some social unrest in arizona so this guy's all over the place he sounds so. like an eastern graduate <laughs> I, I i guess so well i mean that, that comes on the tails bob too i mean i was we were speaking to jason new off the air one of our listeners and floyd mayweather jr has also signed on to one of these things looks like in february he's gonna fight an exhibition youtuber logan paul so it looks like this trend is is going to continue for better or for worse. And correction to my misspelling earlier for our listener, NZ Tante. Sorry, it's NZ. It's NZ. You can go to Twitter at NZ Tante, T-A-N-T-E, and follow his music. So, Well, it sounds good, This I think we're ready to wrap this up. I want to thank our wonderful listeners again. And tune in on Wednesday when we get the great Dan O'Brien again giving us some insight into what he thought about the NBA draft and this upcoming uh, college basketball. Absolutely, season. folks. And we appreciate your comments. Keep them coming about our uh, poll question. Which player would have the most impactful second season? Would it be Zion Williamson, John Morant, Tyler Hero, or Michael Porter Jr.? We appreciate it on all three sites on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We thank you for tuning in live here on Anchor.fn to the 28th edition of Bajic and Brown. Hoops Up and Down podcast. You guys have a great Monday. Enjoy your Monday night doubleheader in football and have a great day.